So let's talk a little bit. Dadisms. We have some good dadisms here. It's Father's Day. Where's our dads? Wave your hand here if you're a dad here and uh, willing to admit that. All right, good. Here's some, what's your favorite dadism? Dads have wisdom to share. How many of you heard this one? Because I said so. You ever heard that one? A little dirt never hurt anyone. Sometimes dads say that when you need to get to work. Were you raised in a barn? Yes. And then this was often followed by money doesn't grow trees. Yes. And then did your dad ever try to convince you I was just resting my eyes? Yeah. Wash out your ears. That wasn't me snoring. I was just resting my eyes. Wipe that smile off your face. Yeah, anybody ever anybody ever hear that one? That's a good one. Okay, a few times. And then, as long as you live under my roof, roof, you'll live by... Man, that was a popular one there. All right, all right. This is going to hurt me more. And then the, the, the cure-all to every dad, every dad needs to have this one. Go ask your mother. There you go. So well, I don't know what your favorite dadism is, but uh, dads not only have a lot of wisdom, but dads also need wisdom. And so we're starting a series today called Man Up, Man Up. And we need to man up as men. We need to man up as dads, as husbands. And as leaders. And so if you'll come here in the next four weeks, you're going to learn how to man up and how to be the kind of man. And I want you to listen. Dads, men, uh, single guys, just every man in this room, I want you to think. We're going to learn how to be the kind of man that we really want to be deep down in our hearts. There is a longing for each of us to know that I'm the man. I'm the man. And we want to hear that from the ones we love. You're the man. You are the man. You have what it takes. You know what it takes. And you're able to do what it takes. But the problem is, we often don't know how to go about becoming that kind of man. If you'll come these next four weeks, I'm going to give you real, real practical help that's biblical. And it's going to make a difference. Also, we want to be the kind of man that others want to follow. We want to be the kind of person that our wives want to follow, that our, our kids want to follow, that co-workers respect, that people in the church would look up to us. And then thirdly, we want to be the kind of man that follows hard after God and leads others to do the same. Because ultimately, that's what we want to do. We want to be men. We want to be the kind of men that draw others to ourselves and in drawing people to ourselves, we draw them to our God. Because here's what's going on in all of our lives right now. Here's what's going on. Either we're drawing others to ourselves and our God, or we're driving people away from ourselves and away from our God. And how we act as men really makes the difference. So we, we need to man up. And these kind of men are hard to find, but they're easy to follow. Now, let me say this, as you're sitting here, you ladies, don't tune out. If you're not a dad, don't tune out. If you're not, uh, if you don't have kids, don't tune out. Wives, you know why you need to listen for these next four weeks? Because you need to be listening and taking notes so that you can encourage the man in your life or the son in your life on what a real man is. Now, I didn't say nagging. I said encouraging. 
take these notes. You know, take these notes and don't preach them to him. Instead, you pray over them for your men and for the men in your lives, whether they're your kids, whether they're even your parents. You can take notes. You can encourage and learn to identify when your man is manning up. That's the moment you want to jump on that and say, way to go. That's awesome. You're the man. You're the man. I mean, wouldn't it be great, ladies, if we just had the practice of whenever our men were doing the things that they are to do as men, that we would just say, you're the man. And then in our marriages, we would know, okay, that means I, I was just, that was a good thing that I was doing, and I got positive reinforcement, and off we go. Awesome stuff. Encouragement. Novel idea. I know it's new to some of you, but really, try it out, and it really works on men. Great. And then singles. You need to hear this and take notes so that as a single guy, you can man up and be the kind of man that God may someday uh, provide you with a mate. And single ladies, you need to take notes. I'd be taking these notes and writing these down as my dating qualifications. My, these are the things I'm praying for. Because I'm telling you, you can identify a young man right now that's manning up and that's who's going to be the kind of man more than likely he's going to be in the future. So this is for everybody and all of us. All of us need to understand this. We're going to look at a verse. It's kind of a theme verse for these, these next four weeks. And it's in 1 Corinthians 16. In fact, you can turn there now if you'd like. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. And what, what Paul says in this verse is he tells the church of Corinth, act like men. Act like men. Can you imagine? I mean, standing in front of the whole church and saying, as a church, you need to act like men. And so that's kind of an interesting concept. So what we're learning is not only I'm narrowing the application to men in particular in our church, but the wider application of the original text that we're looking at is that our entire church needs to take on the characteristics of godly manhood. We need to be, we need to man up as a church to really be on mission as a church. So that's kind of cool. So now more than ever, we need to man up and, and be the man that God created us to be. And I also want to encourage you, not only were you created for this, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, He saved you so that you can become this. So it's really cool. This is what God wants me to be, and this is what Christ is going to enable me to be. And so it's a really positive message. But that kind of begs the question. If I ask your tables, and we, we don't have time to do this, but if you, if you had a discussion and said, what does it mean to man up? Okay? I, I, I'm going to take that. Yeah, I'll give you one minute. I'll give you one minute. Just your one minute... What's it mean to man up? When, 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 when you tell a guy to man up, it means this. So share that at the table. I want to sit at this table. This looks like an exciting conversation here at this table. So there you go. you got one minute. Go for it. What's it mean to man up?
was coming from that table. Yeah, well, you got the newlywed couple. Not so newlywed, but uh, all right. Dana, you got, you got anything to share? Mine are rude. Mine are rude. Okay, I shouldn't have asked. I should have asked. Okay. Friday of answers. Actually, these are excellent answers. Let's look at it. But if you would ask our culture, there would be all sorts of confusion. Let me give you some of the cultural confusion when it comes to being a man. And so you, you have them there in your notes. Let's look at number one. Uh, one thing that uh, our cultural thinks, culture thinks it means to man up is the macho maniac. The macho maniac, okay? Now, some of the, you know, for my generation, that'd be like, you know, the dirty Harry, make my day, Rambo, Clint Eastwood type guy, the diehard, the action hero, the Jason Bourne guy. Now, here's, here's the description of what it really means to man up for the macho maniac. Deny all your feelings, ignore the law, never complain, never apologize, never say I love you. These are the guys that said, hey, I told you I love you once, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. Okay? Uh, these are the guys that just sweat. You just sweat, and lots of it. Accomplish the impossible every eight minutes. Take anything you want and run over people to get it. The macho maniac. The second one in our culture is the great pretender. The great pretender. This is the guy that thinks when, it, when it's time to man up, his hero in life is Archie Bunker. The type of person who builds up their self-worth by constantly belittling someone else, especially their wife and kids. You remember the old sitcom, Archie Bunker? He would sit there in his what? His chair. I mean, it was like a throne. And he would sit there, and all of life went on around him, and he's just barking orders. And the funny thing is, he thinks everybody's what? Listening. And the reality is what? Nobody's listening. They're rolling their eyes, and he's just sitting there barking orders. The great pretender. Rules over their family while everyone actually ridicules him behind his back. He's frightened by the world, so he keeps everyone at arm's length by his constant, berating, sarcastic talk. That's no, number two, the great pretender. What about number three? The world-class wimp. This is the main cultural stereotype of what it means to man up. And it really isn't manning up, it's manning down. Listen, if you're, if you're only getting your cues, both men and women here today, if we're only getting our cues from the culture, then this is the cue, the number one signal, is the world-class wimp. Now, the, the examples are so numerous. Basically, think of any sitcom. Think of any of these cartoon series that are on cable. Think of any father image in the cultural in our cultural day, and, and he's a world-class wimp. Uh, I think of Al Bundy on, Bundy on Married with Children, or Homer Simpson, these guys. And it's just the dad, and, and here's how you can always uh, identify it in a movie or in a, ser in, 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 in a, a TV series. The kids are the ones parenting the parents. The kids are the ones giving the advice. The parents are always going to the kids saying, I've got these problems, what do I do? And it's just a total role reversal. He's so inept, 
He's constantly outwitted by his kids, his wife, and sometimes even his dogs. Nobody takes him serious. He's a bumbling idiot or just an immoral fool. His motto is, Blessed are the passive, for they shall avoid all conflicts at all costs. The world-class wimp. We don't want to be that. Number four is the gender blenders. The gender blenders. This is increasingly a part of our culture. It's increasingly a part of the entertainment that's offered in your homes that you have a choice whether you're going to be entertained by or not. Are you going to be entertained by stereotypes that say the way to man up is to blur the categories of male and female and to affirm uh, stereotypes that are just totally against Scripture? And, of course, there's so many from both past and present. You think of guys like Michael Jackson or Boy George or Marilyn Manson or more recently Lady Gaga and even uh, Chastity Bono who just went through a sex change operation to become Chaz Bono. I mean, there's just this constant blurring that's not only in our entertainment. That phase of influencing our thinking has been successful. The next phase is to enter that into the legality of our society where it not only becomes the cultural norm, but it also becomes the governmental and the legal norm to where our kids will grow up thinking that you don't even... Uh, these, these, I, these stereotypes do not even pretend to be masculine. And they confuse the roles. I remember in People's Magazine there was a psychologist who asked his seven-year-old nephew whether Michael Jackson was a boy or a girl, and the boy said, both. And it was just as normal as could be. Well, you can be both. Uh, and, and there's shows, and I don't want to repeat them all, but there are all sorts of different shows. And what I want to challenge you as, as believers, uh, those of you who are believers, is am I being entertained? And am I allowing stereotypes and cultural messages into my home that work totally against? Am I laughing at that which God judges as sin? Am I laughing at that which Christ died for so that he could redeem and set people free from? So that's something to think about, the gender blenders. And then number five is the religious hypocrite. So much of uh, if... Christians are portrayed, or if religious people are portrayed, and if men are portrayed and they're spiritual on TV or in the media, so often they're seen as a religious hypocrite. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. They're pious, they're proud, they're judgmental. In fact, this is becoming the common description through the media of what a man of God would be, and here it is. Judgmental homophobic moralists who think they are the only ones going to heaven. Now, that description, judgmental, homophobic moralists who think they are the only ones going to heaven, is not only being propagated now by our society, but even Christian pastors are saying, yes, this is how we portray ourselves. And, and that may be true for some, but that isn't the predominant view. That, that, that's not the predominant view of godly men that I know, that I'm exposed to, and it's certainly not what I want to give off, and it's not what you want to give off. But too often, though, when we think of being a man of God, our, our models can often be a religious, hypocritical, judgmental 
person. The reality is, we as Christians are often just as confused as our culture over what it means to be a man or a woman, and more specifically, how you define to how you define masculinity. Because here's the problem. I, and I've even been on internet lists with pastors who discuss. I mean, the, the whole discussion was, what is masculinity? And I've, I've honestly been appalled at times because often it's these stereotypes. I mean, often the macho maniac is out there. And this is what masculinity is. And too often the Bible is not even brought into the discussion. Now, I'm, I'm very encouraged this morning. Just from the answers that were given out, not the ones from that side of the room that were not shared, but from the ones that were given out here, I'm really encouraged because those, those ideas are very biblical, and I hope to, in the next four weeks, to show you where they are in Scripture and affirm that for you. So let's take a look at this. Too often we go to our, to our experience, uh, our own experience, or we go to culture to define what it means. And, and let me say this, when it comes to Christians, I mean, who, who's the natural person we think of? when we think of a, a model for manhood? Jesus. Jesus. But there's a problem with even that. Because we often don't look at the Jesus on the Bible, we look at the Jesus in the picture hanging on our walls. Now, that Jesus, if you re- in fact, I remember uh, having that kind of picture even in my wall as a kid, carrying around. What's he look like? Does he look like a man's man? No, he looks very effeminate. He's got very white, pale skin, he's got long hair, and he's got this peaceful, kind of interesting look on his face, and there's always an angelic glow around his head. Now, if I say man up, and you think of that picture, we're, we're not headed in the right direction, okay? So, that's the effeminate Jesus, and the, uh, the, the picture that's not really totally biblical, not even really biblical at all. Then, we have an, a, an overreaction to that right now, to where from sissified Jesus to uh, dude Jesus. I don't know how to describe it. Just, you know, the wild at heart Jesus. You know, that he's like a mountain man. And uh, one popular pastor said this. He sees a need for greater testosterone in contemporary Christianity. Because he says, in his opinion, the church has produced, a, and I quote, a bunch of nice, soft, tender, chickified church boys. of Christians are chicks, he explains, and the 40% that are dudes are still sort of chicks. And so what you have is this kind of overreaction to where a guy, it's really, here's the two contrasts. Either Jesus is the world-class wimp, hanging on the cross, the silent, silent sufferer, doesn't do anything, just hangs there and suffers in silence, or you have the macho maniac Jesus, who is just all testosterone and charging around and overturning the money changer tables as if he did that every day. Or as if that was his principle for marriage and parenting. You know, just overturn some tables. Get angry. Show him you're a man. Well, is there an alternative? Yes, there is. There is an alternative. Here's the good news. In the beginning, God created us what? Male and female. God knows what you need to be as a man. He knows what you need as a woman. And yes, Adam and Eve rebelled against God's Word, rebelled against God, and part of God's curse 
was a total distortion of male-female relationships. That wasn't there in the beginning. The man led, the woman followed, together they were one in following God and fulfilling His mission. And when we rebelled against God's pattern, then everything got distorted and men began to dominate and manipulate and take advantage of women. And it's, it's a global scale that deeply, deeply scars and wounds not only this planet, and every nation on this planet. But right here in this room, some of you have been so deeply hurt from a young age, from a distortion of male manhood. But on the other hand, women and their role have been distorted to where they're seductive, manipulative, and threatening. If you don't do this, then I'll do that. And, and, and controlling. And let me tell you, it may not seem to hurt in the same way, but if you want to shut a man down, then you follow that pattern. And, you know, I could be more graphic with what that does to a man. And it literally does that. It just totally emasculates their manhood. But the good news is this. We can just look at ourselves and know men are to be men and women are to be women. Again, just not to be totally graphic, but just check the plumbing, okay? Women are women, and men are men. You say, Chris, do we have to really go there? Yeah, we do. We have to go there. When we're living in a society where you can change with surgery that which God has created. And, and here's, the, here's the thing. It's not even that. There's kids that are even born with both... You know, the, 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 the mechanics for both sexes. And so people use that and say, see, that's the norm. Well, let me tell you, that's not the norm. Common sense tells us that's not the more norm. Men are men, women are women. But that's how deep sin has even distorted our DNA. It's even distorted all the way down to a molecular, physical, physics level. But here's the good news. We have a creator who knows what we're supposed to be. And if you're here today, and I don't presume one minute to not think that there might be someone here today who is confused about their gender. And I've got good news for you. There's a creator who loves you, who knows your gender, who knows your identity, who formed you in your mother's womb, and he can straight out Straighten out the mess and the confusion. He can clear that away. Can I hear an amen? He can help. He created you. And He not only created you, but He provided His Son who became a what? A man. And He not only became a man, but He was the sinless man, the perfect man, and He can dwell in each of us. And men, that means He can help me be a man. He can help me man up in the way that I want to, in the way that pleases God. And ladies, He can dwell in you to be the man that your dad never was, that your husband never was, that your first husband never was, that your second husband never was, that that husband you wish you always had but never got. That's who Jesus can be. Can I hear an amen? Man, that's just good stuff. Here's, a let's, here's what God has given us. He's given us four gifts. 
to help us man up. He's given us four gifts to help us in understanding masculinity. Let me give you those four gifts very quickly. First of all, His Word. He's given us His Word. Folks, this is the owner's manual on what it is to be a man. Men, are you confused? Men, are you looking for guidance? Men, are you looking for a model? Then open the owner's manual. Ladies, do you want to know how to encourage your man? Don't watch the television. Don't listen to the self-help books. Listen to the book and get into this book and let it help you. Number two, he gave us his son. And I've already highlighted that. He became a man. He is the, the perfect man. And he's the man that can come into our lives. Number three, he gave us his spirit. He gave us his spirit. Here's the beauty. The spirit of God dwells in us to enable us to do what we're going to talk about. His word, his son, his spirit. And then number four, he gave us his church. His church. Listen. I've I just been dwelling on this this week from this verse in 1 Corinthians 16. He tells a whole church, act like men. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to go in as a church into this community and into our culture, and we're to be men as a body and initiate the great things that God has for this world. We're to be the leaders in this world of what God intends. Hey, our church ought to be a place where people who are confused, where people are seeking their identity, they ought to be able to come into this church, watch us interrelate and say, well, that's what a man is. That's what a woman is. That's how a marriage works. We ought to be a living show and tell of what it means to man up, and I guess woman up too. I don't know if that works. but Here's some, let me give you a definition of masculinity that we'll work off of. First of all, masculinity is the courage to take the initiative to lead. It's the courage to take... And if you ask me what's one word for masculinity, it's initiative. It's taking... It's the courage to take that first step to lead, to love, to provide and protect others with the character that God requires and supplies for His glory and the good of others. And who are those others? Especially women, especially children, and especially the local church. That's a good working definition. The best I can do for you on masculinity. But let me make it simpler. Notice what it says in your notes. Masculinity is the courage to man up and be the man God created you to be and become the man that Christ saved you to be. It's man up. Be the man that God created you to be and the man that Christ saves you to become. Look in your Bibles there at 1 Corinthians 16. 13 through 14. If you said, Chris, give me one verse that I can memorize, that I can meditate on as a man. Give me one verse, because guys like it simple and straightforward. Okay, well, there's all sorts of verses in the Bible that talk about manhood, but here's a great one, and let me give it to you. Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. There is a great starting point. And that's what I want to give you today. I just want to give you five, these five commands. Those are five commands. They're all in the present tense. And what's interesting is the first four have a military flavor to them. Because let me tell you, men, men like a challenge. Biblical men like a challenge. 
And if you want a challenge, then you determine this morning, I'm going to man up. I'm going to be here the next four weeks. I'm going to take these lessons seriously. And let me tell you, there's going to be warfare. The devil's going to take notice. And everything's going to work against you. It's going to seem like your job's working against you. And yes, it even may seem like your wife, your kids, they've all plotted. We're going to make Dad fail at this. But that's just spiritual warfare. And so, follow these five commands. So let's, let's take a look at these five commands. And they're real simple. Men who man up do five things. And these are going to carry you through the rest of the series. Number one, men who man up stay alert in prayer. They stay alert in prayer. It says be watchful. This idea means to stay awake. Stay spiritually awake. Men who man up spiritually are not spiritual sluggards. They stay awake spiritually, and they always stay on guard against whatever could cause them or their family spiritual harm. Dad, you ought to be the watch care of your family in the home. You ought to be the watch care over the computer, over the TV, over the media, over the internet, over the surfing, over the Facebook. You're the spiritual guy who's on guard 24-7. Notice what 1 Peter 5.8 says. It says, be sober-minded. And then it says this word, be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Listen, the devil wants to attack and destroy your family. And he's at it 24-7. And men, you are the number one guard on duty to protect them. Now, prayer is the secret to staying spiritually alert. As you trace this word, stay alert, throughout the Bible, it's interesting, it's always joined with prayer. So how do I know if I'm spiritually alert as a man? Then you have an active prayer life. How do I know I've fallen asleep at the post? I'm a prayerless man. You can change that today. God can enable you to change that today. If you're alert, then you're actively praying. Listen to Ephesians 6.18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Colossians 4.2 Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And just think about Jesus. You know what Jesus said to His disciples before He went to the cross, before He's facing His greatest temptation, accomplishing His greatest purpose? He said, watch with me for one hour. And you know what He meant? That's what He means. He meant pray with me, because that's what he went and did. And so he went and he had his trusted men, and he said, Man up! Stay alert in prayer! And he goes off for an hour and he comes back, and what does he find? They're sleeping. And he says, Could you not watch with me one hour? What's he saying? Couldn't you pray, pray with me for one hour? And then he says these words. Watch and pray. He makes clear what he's implying. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Men, we need to man up. Pray that you won't let your guard down to temptation. Men, I would encourage you to use the Lord's Prayer as your prayer guide. This is what I do. And it takes you through these categories, and it ends with, Lord, lead me not into temptation. 
but deliver me from the evil one. Jesus taught us to pray this way. Man up and stay alert in prayer. Pray that you won't stop looking, longing, and living for Christ's return. One of the reasons this word is always used, one of the ways this word is always used is stay alert for the Lord's second coming. And listen, if you the two ways that you're going to safeguard your morality, your purity as a man, is prayer and thinking and longing for the second coming. Men, if Christ would have come back this past week, would you have been, were you manned up? You know, were, you, were you acting like a man for your family? Were you spiritually alert? Good stuff, good stuff. Stay spiritually alert. Notice what it says. It's time to man up, be alert in prayer. Now I've given you just some basic things for you to begin to work on. So take these, read through these. On the left side, it's kind of how to pray. On the right side, it's who to pray with and how to grow in your prayer life. Number two, the third way to man, or the second way to man up is stand firm in the Word. Stand firm in the Word. And that's what he says. It says, stand fast in the faith. The Corinthians were like many of the Ephesians in the church at Ephesus. They were being carried away by every wind of doctrine. They wouldn't take a, stand, a firm stand on many things. Little was certain and absolute. Much was relative and tentative. Guys, we need to man up in relation to the Bible. We need to man up in relation to sound doctrine. If, I, if your kids came to you, or if, uh, if I came to you, or someone came to you and said, what are your five biggest biblical convictions? What are the five biblical doctrines that you would take a bullet for? What are the five doctrines that you want to pass on more than anything else to your kids? Do you know what those are? And could you readily rattle those off? See, we need to build conviction, amen? We need to stand fast in the faith. Notice what 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says. It says, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that, you were, that were taught by us. And then he says this, Either by our spoken word or by our letter. And I think that's really key. If we're going to stand firm in the word, guys, there's two things that need to be habits in our lives. Reading God's word and listening to the preaching and teaching of God's word. Men, could I ask you today on Father's Day that you make a commitment that for the rest of the year you're going to take the lead in leading your family being in church on a weekly, regular basis? That you're going to take the lead and say, family, we need to be under the Word of God. And then, guys, could I ask you to read the Word of God, not only for yourself, but read it with your family? Read it with your family? Upstairs, Pastor Bruce has given us a, a schedule for reading 2 Peter and today, every dad, I'll first start with dads, but every dad here, I want to give you uh, gospel meditations for men. This is a 30-day. You can start today, and you have a tool leaving here for the next 30 days by which you can read one verse in one small chapter and then a one-page meditation that will get you going, standing firm in the Word of God. So every dad will start with you, and then if we have others, we can give it to some of the other men. But there's a tool to get you going. Well, how do I stand firm in the faith? Let me give you two principles. Learn it to live it. Learn it to live it. Put it into application. 
Leave here every time you hear the Word of God saying, here's one thing I can do. Here's one thing I can do. And you can take 2 Timothy 3.16 and it'll tell you how to do that. And then live it to last in it. In 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul tells us to keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. I, I just, guys, many of you probably start out with strong convictions. You've built some convictions, but the bumps on the road of life, just like your car, knocks you out of alignment. You cannot live long without being knocked out of alignment and getting off the track, getting a flat tire, getting out of alignment, bumping along, thumping along. You can still move. You're still going forward, but things just aren't aligned with God. Could I ask you today to take a moment today, sometime today, to get along with God and say, God, I just want to realign myself with this book. And I want to make it my habit to read this book and to lead my family in learning from this book. So I've given you the tool. It says it's time to man up. Stand firm in the Word. On the left side are some things you can be doing. On the right side are some people that you can be doing it with. So, men, stand firm in the Word. Number three, step forward in obedience. Now here's the phrase. 1 Corinthians 16, translated in the ESV and the New American Standard, act like men. I just love that. I mean, can't you see Paul? Okay, church, act like men. And they knew what that meant, and they knew how to respond to that. Today, if you told our church, act like men, everybody would be going, well, uh, well I, I don't know if we can say that. I don't know if we, you know, what's that mean? Well, here's what the phrase means. Step forward in obedience. Take the initiative. Be brave. This word is translated throughout the Old Testament. Remember that phrase, be strong and courageous? Be strong and courageous. Joshua, three times in Joshua 1. Be strong and courageous. That word courageous is the word act like a man. And guys, that's what God wants us to be. Risk takers. Courageous. Bold. Stepping forward. Risking by faith to do what God wants us to do. And I don't know about you, but that's challenging to me. That's, that's something that, that really pushes us to the limit. Now, here's the idea. You can pray up and you can read up, but there's a point where you need to stand up and take action. You need to pull the trigger. You know, there's other ways of saying that, but, but uh, you need to do instead of just talk. And that's what it's talking about. Now, how do I do that? Taking the initiative to follow Christ is the secret to stepping forward. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua. Turn to Joshua chapter 1. And I just want you to see in Joshua chapter 1, this word, act like a man, be courageous, be bold, is used three times for Joshua going into the promised land. And I can't think of a better picture of what it is as a man to man up than to lead your family into taking hold of God's promises. You know, upstairs we've been talking in 2 Peter, all of God's precious promises. Guys, that's not going to mean... You, you can listen to those sermons, and you can listen to them on, online, and you can listen and listen and listen, but it takes a man to act like a man 
to man up and lead your family into claiming those promises. Isn't that cool? And here, here's what you see. Notice three things. Like Joshua, you need to risk taking the initiative to do three things. First of all, give yourself to helping others possess all God has promised for them. Listen, get your eyes off yourself and start claiming God's promises for the people that God has given to you. You do that by reading those promises, and you do that by praying those promises, and you do that by leading your family to know and claim those promises. Number two, take the initiative in obeying all that God has commanded you. In Joshua 1.7, he says, Be strong and courageous, being careful to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. So, it takes initiative to claim, to lead others into God's promises and to obey all of those promises. And then number three, take the initiative because God has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. It's scary taking leading the way. I'm telling you, there's not a man in here who at some time in your life thought about taking a bold step for God. And you know what the first thing that came into your mind? Will my wife support me? Will my kids follow me in this? Will I get any encouragement in this? And let me tell you something, dads, men, guys. They may not. They may not. They may not follow you. They may not encourage you. They may just nag and resist you. In fact, I would expect that. I just just expect. I'm going to move forward, and even the godliest woman here may resist it. And then you know what you need to remember, men? God said, I won't forsake you. I won't abandon you. I will go with you. See, there came a point where Joshua just had to say, I've got a million people, and he knew by experience they may not all follow him. And in fact, the last time I tried this, only my buddy Caleb followed him. God said, you be strong and courageous. I won't forsake you. You know, the only time that Joshua was not victorious in battle was the time that he didn't consult God in word and prayer. That's the only time he lost a battle, when he did it his own way. And see, God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. His only defeat was his own fault when he didn't pray and seek God's word, wisdom, and will. So it's time to man up and step forward. Let me encourage you, men, do what's right, even if your spouse and your kids don't follow. Do what's right. It may cost me my marriage. It may cost me my kids. It may, it may not, but the fact is, when we stand before God, we're not going to give an account for our spouse and our kids. We're going to give account for me. And I'm going to do what's right. Number four. You say, man, this is getting overwhelming. That's okay. Number four, seek strength from the Lord. Seek strength from the Lord. It says be strong. And I like that. It always says that with courageous. Be strong and courageous. Well, where's our strength come from? This word is a passive tense. It, it doesn't mean be strong. It means be strengthened by God. The power doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from me. Well... What do I got to do? I got to trust in the gospel. I, I can't think of God's power without thinking of Ephesians 6.10. Be strong, what? In the Lord and in the power of His might. In fact, if you just take those passages I have there from Ephesians, 
Ephesians is a whole letter that tells us to depend on God for resurrection power, for transforming power. The power is in you, men. If you're a believer today, the power is in you. And all you got to do is say, God, strengthen what's in me. God, I believe the gospel. I'm going to trust your resurrection power. I'm going to trust and put on the whole armor of God. Again, it comes through reading and through prayer. Number five, the fifth way to man up, and it's crucial, and it's this. Saturate everything with love. It's, it's, it's interesting. Paul uses these four military words. Stay alert in prayer. Stand firm in the word. Uh, step forward in obedience. Seek your strength from God. Offense, defense, battling. And pretty soon we think we're in uh, you know, the uh, full combat force. And then he says this. Everything you do, do with love. Now, this is 1 Corinthians 16. Where's the great love chapter? 1 Corinthians 13. He's saying to you, men, you can do it. Some of you are great providers in this room. But if you don't provide in love, your money means nothing. Some of you are very tender and caring people. You're, you're just very sensitive. You're very nice. You're very, your kids think you're a lovable teddy bear. But you know what? If you don't have biblical love in that, it's not going to last. Some of you guys are strong leaders. You're decisive. You're decision makers. And, and, and you're aggressive. And you take the initiative. But without love, it's just clanging in your kids' ears and your wife's ears. we got to do everything, everything with love. What do we saturate with love? Saturate being a dad. We're going to talk about that next week. Come back next week, and you're going to learn the number one mistake that nearly every dad makes with their kids. You're going to learn what that mistake is, and you're going to learn how to avoid making the number one mistake that nearly every dad makes with their kids. But you've got to saturate what you learn next week with love. Week after that, we're going to talk about being man up as a husband, and then man up as a leader. But it all comes down to love. Okay, I gave you five, think about these five commands. Men, Think about them as five smooth stones to kill giants. Okay? You know, David, how many stones did David take? Five. How many giants was he facing? One. How many stones did it take to kill that giant? One. But did you know why he had five? I believe why he had five is the Bible says Goliath had four brothers. Listen. You look at these five commands and you pick out that one giant that's, that's taunting you. The one giant that's eating your lunch. And you take this lesson and you attack that giant. But understand that you need all five stones. And if you do this, you'll attack the giant of apathy by staying alert. You'll attack the giant of inconsistency in your walk by standing back. You'll attack the giant of passivity by stepping forward and acting like a man. You'll attack the giant of self-sufficiency by being dependent on Christ, what He can do, not what you do. And you'll attack the giant of insensitivity by doing everything in love. Hey, those five things touch close to home for us. Apathy, 
passivity and consistency, self-sufficiency and insensitivity. But you have the commands and you have the resources. You can man up. So look at the man at your table. First wake them up if they're asleep. And then tell them you're the man. Now, now tell them like you mean it. Let's hear it. One, two, three. And Father, we thank you. Uh, in spite of uh, crazy conditions today, you're a God that's sovereign over all. And it is good to be a man and a woman in Christ. And Lord, I do offer hope to any here who are confused, struggling, their desires move in a way that's inconsistent with God's truth inconsistent with God's purpose and plan for their life. Lord, we can be delivered. We can slay the giants. We can resist the stereotypes. And we can man up today and be the men that we were created and saved to be. So I pray that each man here will take positive steps this week and that we'll think I'm the man. I'm the man. And that's made possible by the God-man Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.